Welcome into episode 33 of the Ebony Bird Podcast, brought to you by Fansided. I'm your host, Jay McDonald. You can find me on Twitter at jmcdonald 95 This is coming to you through iTunes and our new broadcast platform, Spreaker. Of course, our first episode on Spreaker last week had the crystal clear audio. We're very glad and excited that we can finally have that for you guys. I know, um, dating back to when we started this podcast, dating back to last summer, that was always a big thing that we wanted to improve, and we're very glad that Spreaker's giving us the opportunity to upload larger files that will have higher quality audio. So with that being said... Welcome again into the Ebony Bird Podcast. Check us out on Twitter. Our site handle is ebony underscore bird. And you can check us out at ebonybird.com as well as fan cited. Our two site experts, Chris Schistler and Joe Schiller, will be joining me today. But first, make sure you download the Ebony Bird app from the App Store. Some of our recent posts coming to you today. Three takeaways from the OTA press conferences from the Ravens today by Joe. Uh, we're going to talk about that later on the episode. You can follow Joe on Twitter at Joe Schiller NFL. Chris had one out today. Four familiar faces who could get cut. You can find him on Twitter at FootballMan58. And then Richard Bradshaw, who has been writing a lot of articles for us, especially this week. He's on Twitter at RichieBrads36. Which young quarterback will step up? And Lamar Jackson, the best thing the Ravens could have done for Joe Flacco. So with that being said, welcome into another episode. Let's bring these guys in just to give you guys a little outline of tonight's episode. We're going to start by going over the NFL uh, rule changes, particularly with the kickoff and the uh, the national anthem, which has sparked a lot of debate, a lot of criticism by fans, players, and um, the, the, the Players Association as well. We want to dive into that. We're going to talk about the Ravens OTAs and the press conferences like I hinted at earlier, and we will end the show with just going over some players on the roster bubble that could be cut either during the summer or in training camp. Just some players that are on the roster bubble need to perform well in training camp to even have a shot at making the roster. So I guess, fellas, we'll start with before we get into everything. I know it's just a couple days a week working out in shorts, but it's exciting to at least have some sort of activity at the castle at Owings Mills and have some sort of press conference just to get to hear from guys like John Harbaugh and Joe Flacco, which we'll talk to in a minute. But they've got a couple weeks of this left followed by minicamp, but at least they're getting back on the field. Oh, absolutely. It's fantastic to see football can't get here soon enough. It's making us itch for it. I'm really excited to see the whole quarterback situation with Flacco and Jackson and how that's going to unfold. I like what Flacco said. It's unfortunate that, you know, they think he has a problem with Jackson because he really doesn't. That was a lot of conjecture by a lot of people. So, it's it's a lot of fun to have them on the field, even if it isn't shorts. Yeah, it's just nice to have football back. I mean, no matter in what form, that period between rookie mini camp and the draft is just like such a dry period, and that's when we had all that useless drama that ends up just making something out of nothing. So it's just great to have them back on the field, just in some form. And I mean, it only gets more, it only gets better from here because when we have mandatory mini camp, to training camp, to preseason, and then actually the regular season, so. There's big things expected out of this team this year, so it's excited to see it come into fruition now. And along with that, the NFL, of course, we'll get into what the Ravens went over today at their press conferences in a minute, but we want to begin the episode of just going over the new rule changes, the NFL passing a couple new rules at the beginning of this week. We'll start off with the kickoff rule, and I know there's going to be a big discussion about the anthem thing in a minute, but just 
Some brief things about the kickoff rule. There's no running start for the kicking team, no wedge blocks, which that happens in a, in a two-on-one situation. Um, return team cannot initiate a block until the ball is touched or hits the ground, and touchbacks are called as soon as the ball hits the end zone. Players no longer need to down it. It just seems like the only things they really changed are the positioning and the alignment of the players to prevent less bigger hits from happening. I don't know how much of an impact these changes are going to make on kickoffs themselves, because 75, 80% of kickoffs are touchbacks anyway. What do you guys think of this new rule being passed to um, enhance player safety on kickoffs? I mean, I guess it's going to help a little bit. I'm in the same boat as you. I don't really know exactly, you know, how it's going to affect player safety. I mean, not being able to have a running start, I think, is going to make somewhat of a difference to have not as much speed, obviously, starting stationary rather than a running start. But, I mean, other than that, like like you said, especially with Justin Tucker going to the Ravens, like he he's going to kick it out of the end zone, like, 80, 90% of the time. So I don't really know how much of an impact this is going to have. Maybe it's good for the Ravens because they really don't have a true returner right now for kickoffs. So maybe that'll help. But I don't know. It's just one of those things where I just saw it and I was like, okay. Like, it didn't really impact me that much. It's just one of those things where you're going to be more interested to see how it's going to play out. Yeah, the more I think about it, the more I like it. And here's why. Because I think you're going to have a bunch of people in the middle of the field way up in that setup zone. And I think the kick returners are going to have a 20-yard bubble. So you should always get to the 25-yard line. Just set up for good field position, especially if you're going against a crappy kicker. Um, I think with Tucker, it doesn't really matter because you're going to kick it out of the end zone, like Joe said. But I think if a team doesn't have a kicker that gives you touchbacks, I think you have a chance for a huge return once a game. That's something that excites me. We'll have to see how it plays out. But I'm really excited about that. And anything for player safety that doesn't really change the game, doesn't make the game less fun. And I think with more returns, because I think that's what the end result is going to be, I think you're going to see a bubble for returners. And that should be more entertaining. And I think speed, more than anything, is going to be important. It used to be like if you had good vision and you could feel it out, you could have a good return. Now it's just get a fast guy, get 20 yards. And of course, the biggie one, the one that we're going to be talking about here for the next couple minutes is the national anthem rule change, which was sparked by the, of course, the, the player protest, the kneeling on the field, which has been happening the last two or three seasons. We've had plenty of discussions, not only here on this podcast, but if you go and listen to almost any football podcast, the national anthem, the kneeling has been brought up, and it's going to continue to be brought up with uh, the new national anthem rules pertaining to NFL games. Now, the NFL is giving players the option, giving teams the option to remain in the locker room for the anthem. That previously wasn't the case because the NFL had a bunch of rules with all the things that they do with the military and everything. There was a deal back in place the last couple of seasons with the fundraiser in November. They do the salute to service. A lot of emphasis on that. And I think teams, there. I think there are a couple cases where teams did stay in the locker room, like the Steelers did, or they elected to stay in the tunnel. But they do have the chance, the, the opportunity to stay in the locker room if they do want to. But um, for all players or all teams that are going to be on the field, the NFL is requiring them to stand. If any player is spotted protesting or kneeling during the anthem, their teams will be fined. The Jets owner has already come out and said that if he, if any of his players are going to kneel on the field, he will pay their fines. Where do we stand on this? Everybody wants to come at the NFL. I don't think this is the right answer, but I can sympathize with the NFL because no other professional sports league has had issues with... I mean, baseball had a couple players kneel, but nothing really came out of it. The NFL has really been put, put under a microscope here. I think they're intimidated of the present, just as a lot of the players are. They don't want to, you know, burn any bridges there. 
very tough sledding here, very tough topic, but where are we? What we're, What's our opinion? Where's our stance as far as the NFL making this requirement for players to stand on the field for the anthem? Well, I'm not going to go into the politics of it because I don't think it's hard to figure out where I stand on that. Uh, I've been very vocal about it in the past. And let's just stick to the facts here. The facts are the players the right to be in the locker room but does not give them the right for the protest. And the problem with that is is it makes it seem like the protest was a disrespect thing of a flag in the first place. It had nothing to do with the flag or the military or the anthem. And it wasn't supposed to be a thing of disrespect. It was supposed, supposed to raise a point. So that that's the big problem here. The problem is that it doesn't solve anything. And what I would say is, the fact is you didn't go to the players. You didn't have any player involvement. You just made a decision. I think Jed York, the uh, owner of the 49ers, abstained from voting, which was kind of a weak way to vote now. It just seems like we made it a hot-button issue when it was dying down. And I think we may have made it worse because I think you antagonized the players who felt very passionately about this. I think the NFL basically said, we're going to try to squash it. That might end up making it worse. So just from a cut-and-dry, opinion-free version of it, that's that's where we're at. Yeah, I don't know if it's going to make it worse, but it definitely doesn't do anything. I mean, it's just almost like a standstill. I think the owners knew that going in because I don't know if you can completely get rid of it. The option that was presented before that luckily didn't get passed was a 15-yard penalty for players kneeling, and then there was all the issues about what if both teams kneel, then they're offsetting penalties. It was just really stupid. I'm glad it didn't come to that point where it actually affects the play on the field because that would just be ridiculous. But I don't know, just playing devil's advocate, like you can definitely see both sides because obviously the NFL is losing a lot of revenue and fans were, I mean, they were displeased. I remember I went to the Ravens-Steelers game it was week four, week five last season, and fans were booing. Fans were legitimately mad, and like there's a group of, there's a group of them that felt that way. And I know there's a group that really couldn't care less. And I mean, it's divided in that realm, but I don't know. It's, I just think it's maybe a lazy way of going at it because you didn't talk to the players and it's not going to accomplish anything, but I think they went to that. I think they went into it with that mindset that, you know, it's not going to anything, but they're just giving them the option to either stand out there and stand for the anthem or just go into the locker room and do nothing. I think if you're just doing this, just to, why not just play the national anthem before any, any team comes out? I mean, that used to be how it was, and I don't think that's a big issue. I mean, I mean, to maybe some people will, but then you don't have that problem altogether. I mean, there are a lot of sports who do that. I know that now it's getting intertwined with the NBA because then they have the agreement where the players have to stand, and it's just it's just a whole just like just mess right now. And I'm not obviously going to get into like politics about it, but I mean, I just want to see football. I mean, like it obviously is a hot button issue that. I mean, they're fighting for something people who disagree with them. But in the end, like, I think a lot of people just want to watch football. So I don't know if this is going to help. And, and this is interesting how it's going to play out. I mean, I, I don't know. It's just such a hot topic discussion that either you're on one side or you're on the other. And it's just it's almost, like, hard not to bring politics into it because of it. But it's just one of those things where I don't know if it's ever going to go away. It's going to be interesting to see when they come up to the collecting bargaining agreement in 2021 how that's going to play out because of the potential of a lot issue to add to the table between both sides whether you agree with whether what side you agree with so it's just going to be interesting to see how that plays out well one person who doesn't think that the national anthem is going to be an issue for the ravens is head coach john harbaugh harbaugh was one of the five six people that spoke at the uh, press conferences from owings mills on the first week of otas on thursday harbaugh saying 
that the Ravens will handle the national anthem rules as a group, and whatever they do, whether they stand out in the on the field or whether they stay in the locker room, will be an organizational decision made as a team. But he himself believes in standing for the flag. And if you listen to any of Harbaugh's conf- press conferences over his time with the Ravens, he's always been passionate about the military. That's that's his stance. That's just not going to change. That's how he feels. Um, another person that spoke to the media was quarterback Joe Flacco. Of course, he was hounded by the Lamar Jackson questions. He played it off like a pro, as pretty much everybody was going to expect him to. He he went, made a point that's saying that taking a quarterback in the first round absolutely means something, but he's not focused on that. His focus is on preparing for a successful 2018 season. He went on to say him and Lamar will be helping each other out because they are in this together, and he's open to using special packages and plays and include the rookie quarterback out of Louisville. So Marlon Humphrey, Brandon Williams, and uh, Matt Judon spoke as well on Thursday. And of course, um, next week we'll be hearing from Harbaugh again and more players as well. A lot of those defenders talking about uh, their praises for new defensive coordinator uh, Wink Martindale. So anything else? I know, I know, Joe, you had a column up there, you know, as I mentioned earlier, three takeaways from the, the OTA press conferences I guess you can go into that, or if, if there's anything else that I didn't allude to that you took away from the press conferences, and I know Chris was working today, so he might have to catch up a little bit, but anything else important that we gathered from the press conferences today? I mean, you hit the nail on the head I had. One of my takeaways was Joe Flacco handled the media like we expect him to. I mean, you know he's not a guy that's going to come out and be very outspoken. I mean, he answered every question, was respectful, you know, downplaying any of the drama, and then one of mine was that Wink Martindale's going to let the defense play. I think Brandon Williams, I had the quote from him that said, um, he's going to correct you, but at the same time, he's not going to put the chains on you and try to make you a robot. And I think we saw that with Dean P's defense in recent years. I mean, it's so stationary, so by the book, and to have that freedom to be able to, you know, make in-game adjustments, whether it's C.J. Mosley or Eric Weddle on the fly, you know, those two faults against in the last two years are the difference between you making the playoffs and you sitting at home, and that's because of Dean P's defense. I mean, that's against the Steelers and against the Bengals last year. So it's just frustrating to see from that point, but good to see that there's a guy, an in-house hire, but also, you know, outside influence coming in with his style. And he's a player's coach. The players have said nothing but good things about him, which is great. I think he's definitely going to be a great influence on the defense. And there's another thing I had was just the attendance. People like to make a lot of big, a big deal out of it. I mean, they kept Eric Weddle out, Brandon Carr, and obviously Marshall Yonda and Jimmy Smith are still recovering from injuries. It was interesting to see Jim Mosley out. Um, Harbaugh said he was dealing with it ankle tweak but we know he's still looking for that contract extension so it's going to be interesting to see if he holds out or how that goes because last time Ozzie Newsom spoke at least it doesn't sound like there's much progress between the two sides and you know with a defender like him that's held to really high standards in Baltimore it's going to be a crucial thing to figure out for next season because I don't know if he's the guy that's going to want to play on the last year of his contract you know take the risk of injury or you know, whatever comes to that, we've already seen with guys like Le'Veon Bell and Earl Thomas threaten holdouts, and usually that's not a huge thing with the Ravens. They're able to take care of their contracts and with no problem or let the guys walk. So I think that's probably my biggest takeaway is obviously he's dealing with an ankle injury, but I'm interested to see down the line with OTAs and minicamp if that turns into something more than just him sitting out. Yeah, I think, Joe, the problem with Mosley is that the Ravens probably don't want to pay him as much as they're going to have to pay him, but they also don't want to get rid of him. So... It's it's a balancing act, and we've seen the Ravens bet on Joe Flacco and and Joe Flacco back the truck up. You definitely want to get these deals done quickly. What I would say about the Martindale thing is I like that the players like him. Sometimes that can go the wrong way. I think when the players are too comfortable, that can be a problem. But at this point, they're not going to say anything but good things. They're not going to be like, you know what, I have a problem with this. 
to the media. We'll see. I like Martindale's aggressive mindset. I like the idea that they can read and react rather than uh, look up the definition of their position. So that's, that's good. Yeah, yeah, it's just interesting to see, like, I mean, Mosley's technically like the quarterback of the defense. And right now it's Keekly earning, I think it's $12.3 million annually. And you're going to have to pay Mosley, if you do, more than that or around that range. And, I mean, it's just one of those things, like, are you going to pay – do you want to pay Matt Ryan as much as you did? Probably not, but it's just the way those positions go, especially the important ones, like, you have to almost. And I just – as much as it, people may have a case against paying Mosley, I don't know what your other options are. You can't even figure out who is – who's playing aside next or next to him this season. So to have a guy like him just walk, it just seems idiotic to me right now, unless they have a different option or they draft a guy. Given what Mosley's given through his first four years, I mean, I don't see why you wouldn't pay him. I agree, and I'll, I'll put it to you this way. Having such a hard time finding a linebacker to play next to him, I think you hit the nail on the head right there. It's hard to find good inside linebackers, and he has the potential to be a really great like generational player when it's all said and done, I mean, he's had a really good career and he could end up having a great career. Absolutely. If CJ Mosley's contract status and possible extension is going to be one of the top storylines for the Ravens all throughout this offseason and into the season, of course, him and his contract season. This is episode 33 of the Ebony Bird podcast. Again, I'm your host, Jake McDonald. You can find me on Twitter at jmcdonald 95 being joined by our two side experts, Chris Schistler and Joe Schiller, two great follows on Twitter, whether it's Joe at Joe Schiller NFL, his GIF series, which he did, of course, on all the Ravens draft picks. He has a bunch of threads up on his account. Definitely recommend checking those out if you're looking for more info on the Ravens rookies. And then Chris on Twitter, footballman58, he's been doing the Ravens bedtime thoughts recently. So if you're up late at night around 11, 12 and are looking for some Ravens tidbits, be sure to look at Chris's Twitter. He's up there every night doing that. Our site handle is ebony underscore bird, of course, ebonybird.com, brought to you by Fansided via iTunes and our new platform, Spreaker. Our last topic of discussion tonight, looking at some players on the roster bubble entering camp season. I have a list of players here, but because I went into great detail about the Ravens press conferences, I will now turn the table over to Chris and then Joe. Any players that you have on the roster bubble, any, whether it could, it could be job wise or it could be salary cap casualties, like a camp casualty. I have some of those listed here as well. So just give me some names you're thinking as far as players that are going to need to have a strong showing in camp to have a chance to make the roster this year. Well, the four guys I wrote this morning were Bronson Kafusi, Brashad Perryman, Max Williams, and Kamale Correa. And I think those guys are all guys that were supposed to produce and haven't. Obviously, Perryman was a first-round pick. Correa was a second-round pick. Williams was a second-round pick. And all those guys are looking like, bye-bye, see you later, especially because of what we did at the tight end position in the draft. I will say that on the defensive backs, wow, we have a lot of talent there. A guy like Jalen Hill who got hurt at the end of last year could very well not make the team this year. It's going to be tough. And the secondary, we have, now that we have Deshaun Elliott, uh, does Chuck Clark make this team? I know he's great on special teams, but you got Anthony Levine you don't want to get rid of. Jefferson Weddle, and, I mean, it's just looking really crowded in the secondary. And then one one more thing I would say is Robert Griffin III's gone. Bye-bye. See you later. Yeah, I had him. I was going to say that as well. I don't think he stays. Everyone talks about how he could be a huge influence to Lamar Jackson, but I think the coaching staff that's had plenty of time to work with guys like Mike Vick and Colin Kaepernick know that kind of play and I think 
with a lot of the other positions that are log jammed, you're going to need an extra roster spot for one of those extra guys to keep around. So I, I agree with you. I don't, I don't think RG3 stays. And the Ravens are keen with taking three quarterbacks, and I don't think that's going to change. Some other guys I had was Quincy Adeboijo with his leg or knee surgery, what it was. Um, he'll start training camp on the pup list, and he could start on the season as well, and that forced him to miss the first six games. So that's going to be tough for him to make the roster, especially with I think it's 13 guys under contract right now on the 90-man roster, which is just going to be very um, interesting to see how that plays out. Tim Williams is a guy that I highlighted. I know a lot of people don't agree with, but that outside linebacker position is also one that's pretty crowded. And he really didn't show much of anything last year. He had some trouble staying on the field with injuries. And I almost look at him as the one-trick pony kind of guy. I mean, at Alabama, he was a great pass rusher, but he's still low undersized. You have Tyus Bowser there still. And you have Zadarius Smith, obviously Terrell Suggs and Matt Judon, who you would assume those two would be the starters. And where does that put Tim Williams? I mean, if he can't prove that he's going to be more of like a third-down situational pass rusher, is that worth keeping him on the roster? I don't know because with Zadarius is obviously in the last season of his contract. Bowser had a little bit of the run, a little bit of a run at the beginning of the season, but then didn't show much late. Judon obviously took a huge step in his second year, and he's looking to be that guy to follow up on Suggs. So that's another guy to keep an eye out for. And then one of the um, obviously we talk about Rashad Perryman, but that's like beating the head, dead horse now. So I don't even want to get into that. But Jermaine Illuminor on the offensive line, I mean, they add Bradley Bozeman, you add Greg Sinat, you add Orlando Brown Jr. Where does that put Illuminor? I mean, he got kind of thrown into the fire last year with all the injuries and then was beaten out by Matt Skura at the guard position. But, I mean, is there room for him on this roster? Maybe you put him on the practice squad. He was seen as a project guy coming in anyway. And he wasn't anything special on the field last year, I mean, for a fifth-round pick. So he's a guy to kind of look out for, depending on how the offensive line situation goes. But I think a big thing we have to take into effect is obviously injuries. I mean, it's just the beginning of OTAs and the beginning of them taking the field. Undoubtedly, there's going to be some major injuries. It's already happened across the league. I think it was with Hunter Henry went down with a torn ACL. I mean, you just never know what's going to happen, especially with non-contact things. So I'm expecting it. I mean, that's a terrible mindset to have. But when the Ravens had 17 guys in IR last year, I'm not sure how you don't think some guy's going to go down. Yeah, absolutely. Just to add on to um, any players you guys didn't mention, I have along the defensive line, Chris mentioned Kafusi. I kind of wrote down Carl Davis and Chris Wormley in there too, just because those are two guys that haven't, they're mid-round draft picks that haven't really done anything so far in their careers. I wrote down Tim White, the, the, the receiver, of course, who flashed last offseason, of course, had the thumb injury that costed him his rookie season. And then some potential cap casualties. I wrote down three guys, uh, Brandon Carr, Eric Weddle, if Deshaun Elliott plays out, for example, and maybe Albert McClellan coming off the torn ACL and one of the more expensive options on special teams. Do all of those sound uh, reasonable as far as particularly the cap casualties go, I guess? I was getting on the same thing as Joe Weddle these days. Yeah, I mean, one thing with Tim White is I feel like there's always that one guy. Josh Woodrum last year, too. That one guy that, you know, kind of falls down in the preseason, everyone glorifies him. And then, obviously, they staffed White on the IR last year, and he's coming back ready for a huge year. You haven't seen this guy even play in the regular season. Let's pump the brakes a little bit. I mean, he, yeah. it's great that he has a good preseason. But Rashad Perryman had a great OTA camp last year, and look what happened. So, you know, everyone looks good in shorts. Absolutely. And that, again, wraps up episode 33 of the Ebony Bird podcast. Thank you for joining us on iTunes and Spreaker, brought to you by Fansided. Once again, check us out at ebonybird.com and ebony underscore bird. Download the Ebony Bird app from the App Store for all of our content coming to your mobile device. 
And follow us out on Twitter. Again, I'm contributor Jake McDonald. My handle is at jmcdonald95. And our two site experts, Chris Schistler at footballman58 and Joe Schiller at Joe Schiller NFL. So for Joe and Chris, I'm Jake McDonald. We'll talk to you next week on the Ebony Bird podcast as OTAs begin. Even though football season is still a couple months away, it's nice to see players finally on the field in shorts. So enjoy that. Enjoy the press conferences. Enjoy the Ravens OTAs as those continue. And we will talk to you right here next week on the Ebony Bird podcast.